I guess he showed up to her house and kind of forced his way-ish into the door. Not really forced, but just like he wanted to have a conversation. During the com confrontation, I think he uh, produced a box cutter and cut her throat like a few times. And she had multiple uh, defensive wounds. Um, and she tried to fight him off. She's a, she's because she's a fighter. She's a beast. Um, but it didn't work. And they sit him down and they sit her down and they're like, hey, this is what happened. And they both deteriorate, right? Because that's just not what happens to people that are that nice and that kind in the world. It, what we loved and what I loved and what I appreciated was that I saw like that unit, the homicide unit and the task force that they use um, come together and just be like, hey, listen, let me tell you something. There will be no stone left unturned. We will find this person. I, when they caught him, I was just like, you know what? I just, I was like, one day I'm gonna become a police officer and I wanna make sure that every single person that's like you never gets to see the light of day. You're gonna, there, there, there's gonna be some type of justice and we're not talking about like Superman, we're talking about Batman style. Uh, but I knew what I wanted to do. I knew that it didn't feel right and it felt like it should never happen. And the older I got, the more I understood that the world is just not, you know, everything that is, you know, you thought I thought it was like a safer place. There are just bad people in the world. And I tell my partner that sometimes when we come against like some weird stuff. I'm like, that's how you know there's good and evil. Like you can't not believe in stuff like that because there's just things that happen that don't make sense. You're listening to the ATO Bridging the Divide podcast. Brought to you by the Assist the Officer Foundation. Since nineteen ninety nine, the ATO has given assistance to the first responder community. And now we want to give them a platform to hear their incredible stories. We also want to hear the stories of the many people that support us. Our community is small, but it is strong. We have differences. We don't always agree. And we all make mistakes. But together we can grow. We can heal. And we can learn from those mistakes. And together we can bridge the divide. Hello, ATO listeners. Joe, Randy, and I are here today welcoming those memories why we chose a career of service. Where does it truly begin? In policing, a shiny uniform, fresh haircut, and academy training. Starts with unorthodox hours, undesirable days off, services performed in the dark when no one is watching, except for that salty trainer. Your dreams feel unattainable like fairy tales. Reflecting, we know you cannot cheat the grind to be great at this job. Greatness seems sexy. In reality, it's dirty, sweaty, often boring, and every single choice matters. In the end, value comes from who you are, not from what you do. At the mics today is one of our own Dallas police officers at the beginning of his journey to greatness. He hired on in January of 2020. Protests and COVID littered his academy experience. 
We then shipped him to South Central with the all-inclusive treat of the graveyard shift. Each of us have a unique story. In likeness, we discover the journey is the joy, not the goal. Our rookie brought his multifaceted pieces of his puzzle to share with our listeners. He discloses his why, combining a distinctive background in music, working with substance abuse and mental health patients, a murder of his grandmother, a loving young wife and kids, and a recent loss of his father. Whether we are beginning our career or closing it out, we all bring humanity to this job. I'll quote Martin Luther King. Life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? We have a great example sitting here today. Please welcome Police Officer Rodney Harrison, badge 11961. Welcome. Okay, okay. yeah, she killed that. <laughs> That's a zip code badge number. God. Yeah. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the show, Rodney. Hi guys, hey, have you have you have you heard of us? Uh, yeah, y'all. I listen to y'all every single. Day. I listen to y'all every single day. Literally every every, single every day. day. Wow. Throughout That's where all those downloads are coming. Just keep redownloading. Yeah, every single time it's me. Just well, all of them. Thank you. The, thank work, you for the workouts at Legends. That's it. Yes, Legends, Legends Fit. Legends Fit. Legends I want to give two quick shout outs. First shout out is to Popomatic. I'm here for you, bud. And the next one is for uh, Trapper Taylor. He's one of our younger listeners. He's a son of an officer and. He enjoys our voices and hearing, and he loves the ending closing music. So I'm sure he's going to get a kick out of uh, hearing his name mentioned in this. So Oh, excellent. Cool. Yeah, yeah I, I gave old Rodney a shout-out back in the Claggetts episode. He almost drove off the road, he said. <laughs> I sent that we'll, we'll see what Trapper and uh, Bobby are going to be yeah, doing when awesome. they're, they're driving awesome. from wherever. Good. I sent that to like half my family. I was like, just listen for the beginning part. <laughs> my just name. check it out. <laughs> Whose name was that? Does that? You know that person? That's me? Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. The music was a really good part too. Whenever whoever's idea that was, that's not, Danny. Not, not oh, ours. That's our genius. That was yeah, Danny, oh, and it was a good choice too. Oh, it's good. Ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Canetti. Yeah. Well, we also had the new music, the new cowboy music. Have you heard of that? The new Gunslinger. Yeah, yes. I like that. Yeah. I, y'all should change it up like mm. once a month. Well, we use that up. We use that music just for <clears throat> like. Educational. Educational, informational episodes, but I love it, though. I try to shoehorn it in every time on any episode, but we use it for Alan Holmes, but, you know, no, Alan was great. He's coming back for another project we're working on. I sent that out to a lot of people, too. Oh, and Chief Foy, Chief Foy, just let you know that I think I'm going to give Rodney the gunslinger music. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he he punches a steering wheel every time he hears it because he does not – he didn't get it for his episode. That's You know what? So, (laughs) you know what? I'll consider if we have a Chief Foy Part 2 Electric Boogaloo, I will put the gunslinger music in. I like that. All right. Sounds good. He's a chief. He's – he should get all of the glory. No, come yeah, on. Don't what? settle down. Yeah. Uh, Name no. is drawn out of a hat. So. <laughs> right. Oh god! You just, why'd you just text me that? that I didn't. Ma- oh, I you did. didn't. Okay. Oh. oh, see, see, and then he. Had, what a short career he had. <laughs> <laughs> they never saw him again. Oh god! <laughs> you know what? Never mind. Mm-hmm. End up working in property room. It'd be worse places. Auto theft? It could be illegal. Oh my god. I love Yeah. And you're like, a genius. No. Yes. I send him so I send him all these questions. Even before I should let stuff 
Anyways, I'm okay. thinking about the last thing I texted you. I was like overzealous. I was like, do you know anything about this? And then he was a bunch of answers. And I was like, you know what? Actually, never mind. We figured it out. <laughs> That's okay. Anyways. Hey, guys. T- tell us about music. Oh. Uh, Your background in music. Oh, yeah. So I've been singing since literally, uh, you know, everybody says I've been singing since I was three years old. I've been singing since I was three. Um, I went to a private school and my mom was told by Miss Smith, I think she's still alive. Uh, and she told her, she was like, do you know, uh, I go by Andre at home. She's like, do you know Andre can sing? And she was like, no. And then in my room, I had this big old boom box for the younger listeners. That is a music playing system. It's you don't you if won't you you'll have to shoulder. google it yeah you'll have to google Get it blaster. yeah there was also vhs's <laughs> around at the time and you know anyways i would like you realize her, everybody in this how old yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. not but kelly great this is for, great this kelly like the nobles that, that are like 22 and my yeah. partner who's You're like 24 yeah i remember oh, yeah. i remember beta. yes yes i'm like oh they'll say who was before born before nine, 1990 and i'll be like yeah and it'd be like just me and i'm like oh god how can y'all drive um but yeah so i used to listen to boys to men uh luther vandross uh stevie wonder and i would listen to boys to men on the boombox and you could like kind of change the uh background to hear the harmonies so i used to just sing that's why i'm, I'm really good at harmonies I, I can toot my own horn about that um and so she was like hey he sings so i started singing in talent shows i sang for uh the president and what well, great that was like a third grade too um and I just kept singing, singing and singing. I didn't know that there were uh, uh, Houston Performing Arts schools, mm-hmm. but I wanted to play sports. So I wanted to play basketball and football and baseball and track. So I just sang throughout choir and talent shows. And um, I, my math was not my strongest suit. I just did not like it. I'm decent at it, but I just did not like it at all. So it kept me from getting into certain parts of like the choir, like the super special encore, um, which is just like the the little highest level. So he was like, you know, I, we would love to have you, but we can't, we can't like, you got to get this math score. It was messing up sports and everything. Anyways, the point is um, I decided, my mom was like, you know what, you should try to get into music school. So uh, I had other, you know, we can go back through that, but I had other, I wanted to be a police officer by that time, but you know, she was like, you can do it. And so, uh, I auditioned and they had auditions in Houston for a scholarship. They do like a world scholarship tour, Berkeley college of music. It's really big music school. If you're like a musician and you throw that out, it's like super street cred, even in South central where they're like, yeah, cause you know what I'm saying? I do the music thing. I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You heard of Berkeley college of music? What? Nah, <laughs> dog, for real. What you doing in these streets, bro? And I'm like, I know life changes. Um, <laughs> but I auditioned, and uh, a big thing was knowing how to read music. And I never learned to read music. I played from ear, like even when I played the piano through ear. And so uh, they they gave me this piece of paper. And they're like, yeah, you're going to sing. I was like, I thought I was going to sing. Like, that's, that's my thing. I'm ready to, like, blow you away with my beautiful voice. And they were like, yeah, but you need to read this first. You know, it's a music school. And I was like, oh, shoot. And it was a Colgate commercial. And I was like, I just made, I literally made up the most R&B Colgate. It was just like, teeth shiny. And like, it was like weird, you know? And they were just like, that was so good. And not even almost what was on the paper, but so good. And so I ended up getting there with a scholarship. And uh, 
I'd been, I kept singing ever since. Like, it was big. It was big. I just, uh, Berg College, College of Music gave y'all John Mayer, Quincy Jones, um, Charlie Puth, who I was in school with, and my daughter, like, look, Charlie Puth. She's like, Charlie Puth, can you call Charlie Puth? I'm like, no, I'm not going to call him. <laughs> I'm only slightly jealous of his fame. Um, who's, who's, he's like a super, like, that dude, you can get on everything and just play it on the piano, play it on this, play it on that. That was a really, yeah. yeah, it was like four and a half years of just like a music camp, but the greatest time of my life because everybody was on the same page and it was just like everybody building each other up and musicians are like somewhat hippies at heart anyway. So they're just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Oh, try this. Oh my God. Oh, is that a tone over this? Oh my God. And I just didn't speak specific harmony. So they'd be like, oh, you need to put that flat five, seven, eight eight sharp tone i'm like yeah yeah <laughs> does that sound what does that sound like what is yeah yeah you know so i just faked, faked it till i made it by senior year we were doing pretty good i ran the uh the music's record label it's like heavy rotation records um because i wanted to to sing but also wanted to know the business side and you come to find out that like a lot of musicians get like screwed out of money whether it's like uh spotify or no offense, Spotify. We love you. But as far as the amount of money that they make from their albums being sold or their music being played, you find out that they really make money on, on the in like concerts and stuff like that. So that's why you see Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber and Drake always, literally always, Beyonce always in concert because they make money more from yeah. like the shows. So I was like, I don't, I, I like singing, but that just seems like a rough life for me. So I wanted to know the business side, but... Yeah, I've been singing since forever, and that's how I got my wife. So would you say you were born with a talent? Yes. That's the only talent that I can say for sure that I can brag about and be like, no, this was God sent. Like, this is a thing. I've been okay. singing for forever. So yes. tell me from that perspective, talent versus skill. Ooh. Um. Okay. Okay. So talent, like, yeah, there we go. Um, I could sing. I could blow. It was perfect. And... uh Oh, you know what? Who who can we use? We'll use Celine Dion, right? Oh. Celine Dion is like super talented, but she's super skilled because she knows what she's doing. She knows like the theory part of music and she knows how to take care of her voice. Um, and then you have people like, uh, oh, don't do that. Mm -mm, don't do that. I'm trying not to offend people, but I'm like, that person should be, be listening to this. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> then you have people like, I'm going to say Alicia Keys, mm -hmm. who was talented, but her like skill wise, she wasn't able to take care of her voice. She wasn't able to like think about the everything that went into singing. And so she lost her voice at a very early, like probably when I was in like coming out of high school. And now she sounds a little rougher than normal. Um, Axel Rose did that too for the yeah um, yeah it's, it's like going to say that yeah it's <laughs> there's because there's a whole thing that goes into singing and you can you can be one of the greatest talents ever, but uh skill is different like luther vandross was super skilled he knew exactly what he was doing so he wasn't just like belting every I, i'm not a belter so i have like a thing against belters like if you watch the voice or american idol watch it now from now on when you watch it you'll see the only people that make it are the ones that are like da, da. you're like okay yeah i get it oh you're christina aguilera okay that's cool yeah. um but luther vandross was more than just a belter he was used like everything in his he'd go low he'd go high he would stretch the stretch the range of his uh voice and that's how he i went to my first concert 
was Luther Vandross and Boys to Men. And that's when I realized that with music, I could get any female that I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was very clear to me that Luther wasn't batting for that team. However, it didn't matter because, like, the girls were just, like, ridiculously... He would just do, 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 yeah, yeah, and they'd be like, oh, God, oh, God. and I was like, oh, this is this is amazing. This is this is what I, in third grade, this is my son can't be like this, nor can my daughter. But in third grade, I was like, this is what I want. Yes, like these powers. <laughs> and then Boys and Men came out, and they were just so smooth. And they're oh, they're, they're Love my favorite. Boys oh my God, with, with their white suits and their roses that had thorns, and it didn't even matter because he was throwing those yeah. thorny roses. Here you go, here you go, and all the girls would like fight over the rose. The rose, yeah. And then there'd be no rose left, but they would be screaming like, "Yeah!" And I was like, "That's it. what I want." <laughs> That's favorite what I want. Boys and Men song. Um, I was just singing in my head. Um, oh no, there's too many. Um. Their version of Can You Stand the Rain is probably one of my favorites. Things. Water Runs Dry is a really good one. Because you can always so do can like you, down Can you sing your little, little line from it? From, yeah, come on. Putting him on the spot. No, my my, my class great. song, you know, while you think about what you're going to sing, my, my class song for our class graduation was uh, So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday. Yes. Oh. How do I say go. goodbye to what we had? Oh, yes. The good times that made us laugh <laughs> always remain. I thought we'd get to see forever, but forever's gone away. I'm like playing the piano in my head at the same time. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. It's like, wow. Pull, pull your pants back up. But no, for, <laughs> for the listener, I just took my panties off and threw them at him. It was, yeah, moist. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Moist. Very. Oh, God. That's moist. how I got my wife. Moist. I was like, you come to my concert. It's, it's going to be a wrap. And she, and she came and. And we've now we're married with kids. Wow. Okay, so you can sing and play the piano, but can you dance? I can dance. My wife will tell you that I can't because she's never seen it because she came at a different point in life. But my mom will be like, you remember that one time you was in that dancing band? Um, I can. I choose not to anymore because it just is not a thing for me anymore. Except with my, my son is 22 months. And I'm going to keep it at months because people, you know, they want to be like, two years old. He's not there yet. Yeah, he ain't there. Um, but he's 22 months and he sings and dances. He's like, I don't want to say that he's more talented than other people's children because I don't want to offend anybody. But this kid has got it. And I was like, why can you sing on point from seven months to just like be able to match tones? Um, so me and him sing and we dance together. He likes my dancing. And my daughter likes to dance. She's like very theatrical. So we dance. But my wife is like i want to see you like dance dance like b2k does anybody remember b2k remember b2k you got served did you ever catch that i know we're i know you're a little older than me a little bit just a little bit (laughs) slightly there was a you got served uh break dance moment and i was really big into that until i was like no no more the only break dancing he knows is electric boogaloo the electric yeah get down with that too i love dancing (laughs) i gotta get a question from uh chief foy Okay. He says, why did you never display your musical talents in the detail at South Central? Yeah, never. You know what? No, not right. ever. And uh, also, 
I was really grateful that like I hadn't said anything about that because I like I felt that in my spirit. I think later someone was like, "If we knew you could sing, we'd have made you sing a detail rookie." And I was like, "Exactly." What, he but, looked you up in IWM last night, and oh, he sorry. wants to know why you left on the bed. Oh no 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 no! He, oh no no! He's we, gonna be sir. He said he's gonna email you. Let me let me tell you something, okay. <laughs> sir. First of all, sir, th- let me just show you like. I I've had He's like speaking to th- Foy, not me. Yeah, this is I, I, I guess. this is this is to you, uh, Chief Foy. I've had three different careers, so I really appreciate uh, good morale and people that try to bring people up. So he does these certificates, right? Like these certificates. He's just like, hey, on this call, you did a good job. And like my partner is twenty four, twenty five, something like that. And he's like, I don't need this certificate I, to do my job. I just do my job because he's a go getter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, man, you don't understand. Like. After a while, this job is going to, like, weigh on you, and you're going to feel like the world is against you. And, like, these little certificates, that mess is going to brighten your day. I was like, I think this is awesome. I'm putting it all in in a, in a folder, and I'm going to hang it up in my house. I'm going to look back and be like, see, he, he got it. He got it. So I love Chief Foy. I didn't leave on purpose. I thought the way it was explained to me is that South Central uh, is a different place that maybe everybody and their mom doesn't want to go to. Yeah. Um, I love it because my dad is from Sunnyside. Uh, my dad was from Sunnyside in uh, Houston, and my mom is from Gallatin and out like outside of Nashville. Um, so I like the community. It was it was very similar. I grew up in Katy, so it was nothing like where I grew up. But I like the community. However, uh, this bid was different from what I understand, um, and there were a lot of people making a lot of different moves. And I remember every single person at South Central telling me like don't worry big dog you're gonna be all right because i was hustling i was loving it down there uh and i just remember watching every spot go bing 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 and we we're all together and i was like bro what is happening what what it, but we can see, we'll still be on deep night don't nobody want deep nights right don't nobody want deep nights and yeah. then like even the deep night slots were like disappearing and i, I heard about that I, my like spirit dropped and i was like i had no backup plan i was like oh that's cool man i'll go to southeast yeah southeast had been gone southwest of course was like the promised land it's the new problem it's new god's no. country i guess oh i don't know it is it's my, original god's I, country. my stomach just turned I, I know no 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 this isn't me like from you know because i personally feel like south central is chief voice came up at southwest no. Chris, Chris Webb came up at Southwest, so you, you know, should you hear role how models everybody was talking about Southwest. Like it was literally like people were just like, "Oh, just God, you know, I just can't wait to go back to Southwest." And I was like, "Is it is it nice like that over there? Oh, there's a Chick Fil A over there." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> you're tired of Williams Chicken, is it? Well, let yeah. me tell you, diabetes is gonna be great." Okay, <laughs> um, so Southwest went, Southeast went, then South Central, and then uh, I think it was Northeast north central and northwest left with like a few cbd well i guess a good amount of cbd spots left yeah in northeast you'll get a you'll get a variety that's so. what i was told yeah. and it's been a hodgepodge it's definitely not the south yeah but and the, and the lake and the lakes in the way <laughs> it's the you know i know i'm probably like going fast forward but on the first priority one call there it was 18 minutes. i go, of course you had to google it and i was like 18 minutes oh my god i hope we're not the only ones going because that person's not gonna make it because you just we just jumped on there because in south central you can get everywhere you know like yeah it's just yeah, a the, smaller the, channel so it was like oh it doesn't matter where it was a very at. unique thing with the lake being in the way it's so hard to get around it was crazy to get get anywhere for, if you're going from the 50 going from the 50s down to the 20s you could probably take 635 but 
it, it's it were it's crazy. The That's what we did, and then we hit traffic, and I was like, "What is this? <laughs> what is this?" And trying to like meh, meh, your way through traffic on yeah. thirty five was like, yeah, ridiculous. Well, in, in South Central, the the most congested roads would be like Lancaster Road. That yep. that was the craziest yep. one. And I knew all the yeah. little backways and the little alleyways, oh, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, I and everything pretty much ran uh, runs north south down yeah. there, whereas in northeast everything's oh yeah." They said uh, diagonal. They start. They were like, "We're on the ground," and I was like, "Me and my partner, we 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 just we love to get after it." However, we were overzealous. I was like, "We should have taken a second to like figure out the lay of the land because we're just we're like, where are you?" And he's like, "On the northwestern southern side of the this budget in," and I was like, "What? <laughs> I don't know what that means. I didn't even see a budget in sign. I was like, we're by the text go." He's like, "Keep going straight." I was like, "There's a highway." And there's no, we can't go straight. And then thankfully, there's like eight other officers that popped up out of nowhere. So we were for sure last on that. Um, <laughs> I realize I'm not the greatest fan of Northeast. At that time, I wasn't. It's changed a little bit. You'll learn it. Tell us about before you hired on, mm-hmm. you came to Dallas. Yeah. What'd yeah. you do? Um, I was, so I started, my best friend, uh, I have like, there's a group of five of us, and we all push each other to do great things we push each other to go to college grad school so one's a assistant da in uh, galveston county uh, another one works at lockheed he's some hired up in lockheed and the other one is like a clinical director gerald don't hate me if i got it wrong it's something like a clinical director um and so we he started this this inpatient facility they started in florida then they moved around and he was like hey man in the very beginning process he was like hey i'm gonna we're going to take a few people from here and we're going to start a, a facility here in Dallas. And I was like, that's ridiculous because I was still in Houston. I was like, that sounds ridiculous. That don't, no, you, you're going to you're going to be poor. Like, no, we can't do that. You we, you work too hard. And he was like, no, I really believe in, in the person that was um, running the show. He was like the second person down. And I was like, well, that his name is Vinny. Vinny Strumolo. Uh I was like, well, that sounds crazy. But I'm going to pray for you. And if you need anything, I got you. Um, so they started it. And at first it was like a 10, 15 bed facility or something like that. Uh, and then it was 25 and 30. And so they could hire more people. And I was like, hey, man, you know, he hit me up a, to ask me a music question. I was like, oh, I'd love to do like music therapy there. That'd be really cool. Um, and at the time I was working at Houston Community College as an academic counselor, which was a really great job, too. Um, but. It just wasn't, I wanted to continue to be fulfilled in life. You want to continue to chase your purpose. And uh, I wanted to be police, but I didn't want to be Houston police at, like, at all. I love, I love y'all down there. I have plenty of friends that are Houston police, but it wasn't for me or Harris County. Um, So I was like, well, let me chase, chase this part. And so um, I was like, I'll come over there if, if you'll have me. And he was like, dude, that would be awesome. Oh, my God, we'll work together, which is everybody thinks that working with their best friend would be the best thing in the world. And it was-ish. It was just different. It was different. Uh, so I moved. I actually got engaged, whether that was when I wanted to do it or not. My wife was, like, having that moment that I think that most people experience before they get engaged. They're like, is it going to happen or not? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, just take the ring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But funny story, though, real quick, I actually flew my friend out and we did like this whole music thing. And I wrote her a song for our engagement. Like it was a beautiful thing. It's it's on Facebook. Anyways, oh. does, your, does your does your wife listen? Yeah. 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 You better um, say her name. Melissa Harrison. OK, there you go. Melissa Nicole Sanchez Harrison. 
with the one and only wife that I have. <laughs> Shout out, Melissa. No. Uh, <laughs> and so I was like, hey, there's this job opportunity. You know, she's from San Diego, but her family's been in, they've been in Houston for a good amount of time. And they lived across the street from my family. So I was like, hey, I got this job opportunity with Gerald and I'm thinking about doing it. And she was like, I'll support you. And I was like, I'm going to move up there and then you can come up here after because we're traditional. You can come up here after we get married. Um, so I moved in with my best friend, which was interesting because um, he was married and they had dogs and stuff. <laughs> it was, and then I wanted to get a dog and then he was like, you can't have a dog. I was like, well, I can't. It was just really weird. Anyways. And so I came up there and uh, I got to meet with, with the, the head honcho and I was like, hey, um, this is what I want to do. I want to do, I want to create a music therapy program here. That's what I want to do because I think that music is just like this universal language that everybody can connect to in some shape, form or fashion. And like, that's what I want. That's my plan. That's what I want to do here. And he's, I had my resume, like I had a fancy resume and I was dressed in like a suit. And at this time, like there's people, it's in the middle of nowhere. I guess I'll, I'll say where it's at. Yeah. I can say where yeah. it's at. Mm-hmm. It's in Scurry. You know where oh, Scurry yeah, is? Yeah, I know yeah. It's in the middle of nowhere. So it's like a ranch style facility. So there's people like on go-karts, like all over the place. I couldn't tell which one was a patient from the people that worked there. Everybody mm-hmm. just thought they were having a good time. And he goes, oh, I don't need that. I don't need your resume. Gerald told me about you. I, I already know everything I need to know. Like, whatever you plan on doing, I know you're going to do it because he's, he's told me about you. You got this. But you're going to start out in case management because we need a case manager. And I was like, well, I have a, a master's in business. So, uh, that's fine, too. Um, so I did that. And I came on a case management. I changed some things around because it was a little wonky. Um, and finally, the more we grew, the more money we had, the more I was like, well, you know, at what point can we and uh the time came he was like well let's let's start with music and see what what you got and it was really weird because i had like this janky yamaha keyboard and i was like well i can't play this this isn't gonna be this is not gonna therapize anybody uh and then i was like well we'll we'll do it with um like just my rate little phone that plays music and speakers and we'll figure out a way to do it and uh I went to every music therapy conference that I could go to. I hit up every music therapy uh, major from undergrad at Berkeley. And I was like, hey, if you were going to do a music therapy program, how would you do it? Hey, if you were going to do a music therapy program with this and under these circumstances, how would you do it? Because music therapy is used for a lot of different ways. People with uh, autism and um, people that have been like veterans and different things like that. So it was like under these specific circumstances, like an inpatient facility, substance abuse, mental health. Like how do how would you do this? And so I wrote this like forever page thing, just like notes on notes on notes. I have ADD, so I'm sure that it looked like a bunch of just like shenanigans. But everything in there was like studied and like cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy. Like this is what it is. Ah, uh, I'm I just can't, glad that I, you said it and pronounced I can't it. Say, not us. I can't say that word. <laughs> Which word? I was cognitive? No, no. Dialectical. Dialectic. Dialectical. Yeah. No, no. no Dialectical. It just, just rolls yeah. off your tongue. Dialectical. Yeah, what you hear, it just yeah, Quin- easy Quinlan to education. Yeah, I'm. Oh. I'm gonna leave now. Mic drop. <laughs> Dialectical. <laughs> F, F off. <laughs> uh, and I was like, hey, we'll 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 bring a therapist in there because uh, depending on you know, in the very beginning stages, I was just so so grateful to be able to do it, and it was alongside of case management. Um, so my time was like, I. 
there were things that I wish that I would have thought about beforehand as far as how music directly affects people because I knew the power of music, right? Like, uh, think about when you go to church. The, re the reason they start out with music is because it sets the tone. They want you to feel the spirit and then, like, feed your spirit, right? Um, so that's pretty much... Uh, we would use music to be like, hey, um, all right, let's talk about, like, anchors in your life, right? Like... And it's really hard to get people that are, uh, especially there, it was the primary substance abuse with the secondary diagnosis of mental health. Um, so it's really hard to get people that have substance abuse issues to open up sometimes because there's a lot of baggage that comes with how and why they got to that point. Um, so the classes that were there anyways were... This was like the fun class, right? So they either wanted to be in there just to listen to music or they just didn't want to open up at all. I was like, no, this is going to be real. Like, if you don't cry before you leave, then we did this wrong. Um, but then I was like, we need this therapist here to balance out, like, why they're crying. Because you tell me that this song makes you think of, which with without me knowing, me and Joe are talking about a song. And then you are directly affected by this song because this was the last song played at your dad's funeral or something like that. Right. Like I wouldn't expect that because I wasn't paying attention to you. I was paying attention to Joe and he was telling me how much this song reminds him of his childhood with his father. Like that was a beautiful moment. Right. And uh, after his father passed, he started drinking. Da, 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 da. I wouldn't be paying attention to the person in the corner who's just like sobbing and dying. And I'm like, well, what's happening over there? And he's like, yeah, this is what my when he killed himself. Right. And you're just like, shit, well, what am I supposed to do now? So thankfully, I had therapists that would just come in there and um or they just take it from there right like my point is to get you there um and then we would have conversation about it, if you could have a conversation about it and if you couldn't experience that moment and uh talk through it then we would just be like okay let's just pause put a break because every uh patient had a direct therapist uh, assigned to them when they came in and so i'd be like hey liz hey malton can you talk to him because this is going to be deeper than what we have time to get into right now um so it was a really it was a really like it was a touch and go at first and then once it took off man that thing took off it got to be a little too much for me on my own it was like i had a class of five then seven then eight because these are people that are like either super wealthy like we had famous people come there and i'm i'm not dropping no names but like just like cameramen outside and stuff type thing like mm. mtv people and and then we had like people from from jail and people from you know if you have blue cross blue shield it's it's it was in the middle of the opioid epidemic too sure. so it was just kind of like people were being just shipped in there once we got bigger and bigger they would feel it more and more and we ended up being one of the largest uh facilities in texas and and in the country just like 100 beds or something like that but it was just like the the more it grew the more i'd tailored it the more i did more homework the more i wanted to make sure that these people were getting everything they needed and they weren't just in there to goof off or in there to have fun i was like i want you to take these homes make them make playlists uh designated to specific memories and points in time that they could hold on to when they were going through it i'm like okay so let's talk about good anchors right because anchors are both bad and good so if i tell you oh what's an anchor and they're like oh it carries you down and my dad's an anchor man oh i hate him oh. i'm like okay what's a good anchor right like what keeps you grounded and they'd be like oh my daughter i'm like yes there it is and i'm like oh you got a song that reminds you of your daughter because this person's like all hard and he's like i'm never gonna change f the man and i'm like oh you you got a song around your daughter <gasps> what is it uh some something serenade broken window serenade is that a song yes. that's a song 
broken window serenade i just and then they turn into like a ball of putty right and you're just like perfect and now i'll mold you so you like it sounds like you would like peel back layers Mm -hmm. right of the person and get them to open up and then a therapist would be there kind of to yeah finish it off finish it off and take it from there because i i'd get a ton of difficult people where the therapist is like oh this person's like there's there's nothing like they it'd be like a mm, i'm gonna give you a description because you know we do description it'd be like a white male in his early 20s with a bunch of tattoos and face tattoos that was like f the man like i don't care my dad put me here i'm not gonna change um and then they go in the room with the therapist and just sit there right and they come to my class just because like all right it's music so we'll go in there and listen to it and they wouldn't want to take part and then they'd be like hey y'all ever heard this song i'm like oh you want to be in the class okay well go ahead bro What, what you got but if you if you're gonna give me a song, you gotta tell me why you chose it. What does it mean to you? Oh man, I don't wanna do all that, man. I don't wanna do all that. And I'm like, nah, bro. Otherwise, you can just sit in the corner and listen to country music all day, cause that's all. All of these people right here are gonna give nothing but country songs. Man, I'm so tired of country music, man. And so I had one dude who fit that exact description, um, and then he was like, hey, um, what about that suicide song? And I was like, tell me about it. I don't know. I don't know. I know what the song is. I don't know nothing about no suicide song. He's like that one eight hundred, you know. I'm like oh, I don't know it He's like oh I'll, I'll put it in there So he puts on the song And he's like man you know what And a little baby tear And I was like yes I'm getting it Because if I, if I make you cry That's it It's a wrap Then we're, we're going to dive in And I'm like That's how we feel here it. doing this yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we try to make everybody cry Yeah hey, Don't worry Especially Misty Shenanigans <laughs> You were so good um, Right And he said that he had actually He'd overdosed twice And the second time Which is what brought him there uh he had heard the song before he overdosed when he came to in the hospital he saw the mtv awards and the dude was performing it and he was like i gotta get my life together like something's gotta change but he still hated his parents he still hated his life and he was like i'll come here but i don't want to change but i gotta but like deep inside he knew he had to change it um and so i was like all right bro he was like man that's the only song i want to listen to this only one i don't think i will talk about though i don't talk about nothing else i was like bro if you come to this class every single day, I'll play that song at the beginning of class every single day. How about that? We'll set a tone. And he was like, bit, bro, bit, because he thought he was hood a little bit. Um, and he, by the end of it, he was just, he, the case management part was like, how do we make sure that this continues afterwards, right? Like, let's find uh, sober living, regardless of what type of sober living it is, because sometimes people are like bougie. So they're like, well, I want to go to a sober living this little mansion in California in Orange County. And I'm like, that's a horrible idea. Um, But it was like, we got to tailor to you. I had a kid named Dylan, and I'm not going to say your last name, but he was he was difficult, but he was good people. And I was like, let's do what makes the most sense for you. So he was part of the music thing. Uh, I got him a little drum pad so he could work on like doing little trills and stuff like that. So we connected like that. And, um, afterwards he goes, well, you know what, man? He's like, here's the deal. I just got to get away from my family. Like I want to go far, far away. And I was like, okay, well, where do you want to go? He's like, man, I'm thinking like Hawaii, of course. Right. Oh, Oh, only Hawaii. Oh, but they're sober living all over the world. So it's like, okay, I locked down a bunch of different sober livings in Hawaii. All right, bet. Let's get the work done. And he did all the work. He did all the footwork. I was like, if you're serious, you'll do all the footwork. I'll give you the computer and you find it out. You find therapists in that area. You find anything and everything that you can. Sober living, the groups, everything. Um, and he did. And the only thing that changed was that his dad came to pick him up. He's from Port Arthur. And he was like, nah, 
not my son. No, I know what he's going to do. He's going to mess around over there. No, not my son. And so he took him back to Houston, to Port Arthur. Uh, it depends on where you're from if you think Port Arthur's in Houston. I'm not going to talk about this right now. Anyways, he took him back to Port Arthur, and he overdosed that day and almost died and brought him back. Right. And as soon as and that was the thing about being there, um, sometimes it was like a boomerang. You send somebody out into the world and you're like high hopes. There's a graduation to get a chip and everything. And you're like, yes, you did it. I thought you were sure going to leave because they don't know that they can actually leave. We don't. We just like kind of sweep it under the rug, you know. Um, and he came back and I was like, what happened? He was like, you remember how you said you, you have to change your environment? Like, if you really want to make a change, you have to change everything about your life before. You have to change the people. You can't go back into the same group of friends and be like, I'm sober, guys. I'm going to be the one beaming light. I'm going to change your life and your life and your life. It doesn't work that way, you know? Um, and so he went back into it and then got got back into it. Um, so this time I was like, all right, so what's the plan now? He's like, Hawaii. And I was like, you know what? Let's do Hawaii. And I t- we had a conference with his dad, hit me, therapist, and him. And I was like, listen, man. How much is your your child's life worth, right? That's what it comes down to. How much is your child's life worth? What would you do for your child? If I told you you send him back to Port Arthur, he's going to die, and he ain't coming back this time, would you send him to Hawaii? He was like, yes, yes, I just love my son. Send him there, and he's been sober ever since, and that was four years, four years, and I still see him on Facebook because I, I'm that dude. I just friend people because I want to see how you're doing. I just got a text right before you text me that we're going to do this from a dude named Howie. I won't say his last name. And he just sends me pictures of his sons. He's like, this is what you gave me. I can show you all the text. It's really beautiful. And he makes me cry every time. Is that facility still using the music therapy that you started? Or what, what kind of program did you leave behind there? Uh, So by the time I left, it was really big. They 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 dove all the way in to like my vision and my dream. And I, it was like, they gave me a whole building. I didn't have to do case management anymore. Um, and it was just music groups all day, every day. And I got every instrument I wanted. I got like three guitars, two basses, four microphones, two drum sets, like just weird instruments that I wanted. Like I got to have drum circles. Like I was like, I'm going to go to this therapist conference because they're going to have this thing on drum circles. And I'm going to bring that back and we're going to do it. And they were like, yeah, cool. We get it. Do it. Because it was like, then they started using it as their little thing, right? Like they were like, and we also, we also provide music therapy. How about that? And like my homegirl, she was there and they started an equestrian program. Um, what was the other? Oh, there was a wilderness program for this, this dude Dalton who was like, able to show you life skills through like surviving in the wild which he's like an actual like wilderness person which was really weird to me i was like i can't get down there with that they started yeah it's it's still there it was it was really big i think i left it off to this girl kaylee who i think she might have left but the building was there the classes were there the infrastructure was there the musicians were there because then it changed from just music classes to like how do we bring musicians who i don't know if y'all know much about like musicians but like music is just like a very and i say this with respect very toxic environment right like it's just like it's part of the thing you know like i remember in undergrad like everybody was smoking weed and i was like oh that's nasty and i put this on my resume okay so this isn't a shock i did smoke an ice bong one time ice bong and i was like this is disgusting why would you why would you do this they're like it's purple haze i was like no i'm nauseous are y'all always nauseous? And so I just never smoked again. I was like, this is disgusting. But um, 
it's just you know music everybody does all types of stuff um so if you you notice in like even you can go with Demi Lovato, how she has spiraled, right? Um, we got a lot of different musicians that were musicians, real musicians in the real world, but like they just lost their way due to substance abuse. And so for me, it was like kind of important. Like another side thing was like, hey, how about we get you back to your, like get you back to doing your stuff? I had people who was like, I haven't played the guitar in like five years. I just quit. I was playing with, uh, what's that dude's name? Come on, baby. What's that dude? The white dude with the silver hair. I think he's dead now. Uh, Chief Foy? No, Michael. Uh, <laughs> I, Michael. Uh, I didn't. Bolton. That's no. Oh. Michael. No. Uh, d- d- Mc- Michael. You know what I'm talking about? He was on every Best Buy. When, when there was Best Buy in Circuit Cities, way before y'all's time, yeah. uh, there was TVs, and he was on all the TVs. Remember? Just come on, baby. If you need me, call me. No, I can't think of it. No, someone out there is like, oh, that's Michael so and so. He was actually at my graduation, but I still, <laughs> I still don't remember his name. Anyways, it was like people, like people that were in their bands and people that were famous that just stopped doing music. It was like, okay, so now we can get you back to being a real musician. Like we can get you. You haven't played the guitar in years. Hey, I got a guitar right here, bro. I'm like, nah. Every time I play guitar, I gotta have a whiskey bottle in my hand. No, not today, cause we don't got no whiskey. Mm. But you can drink this ginger ale and feel however you want to feel. You know. Did, did you find with the entertainment? I mean, basically the whole entertainment, not just musicians, just mm-hmm. actors, actresses, even pro athletes. They need a constant affirmation, and they're some of the most insecure and. Some of the most narcissistic people that need constant affirmation and of, but they're they're going against other quote unquote superstars mm-hmm. that have the same insecurities. Yeah, that, you know. The, but you're used to being like that person. Yeah, you know? but like, you gotta you gotta hang on to it. Well, because that's a lot, the, that's yeah. a problem. Like, what are you willing to give up to to keep that level of fame or you know like. I, that's why I didn't do the music thing because I was like, there's too much that I would have to sacrifice of myself. And I had this, uh, like Michael a, McDonald. Michael McDonald, yes. Oh, yeah. Come on, bro. Right. Yeah, I remember that. That yeah. guy. I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> Misty's got failed smile. He's like, <laughs> that's who it is. That's who it is. So, like, people that sorry. were that no, played sorry. with him and stuff, like, it, it, musicians are, uh, we are a different breed because we, we're used to being told how good we are. Like if I yeah. if I go into a room and start singing and someone's not like, oh my god, I'm like, oh you're you're flawed, because right. I'm amazing, you know. Yeah. Um, so when they take that away from you, you take that dopamine, right? Like, what what do you mean? So where where else am I gonna get it? And usually people turn to substances, and it's yeah. Did those skills translate when you hired on? Here, the the skills that I when I when I was there, mm-hmm. yeah. If you if you ask my partner now. Um, I'm the talker. So like, I know I'm bigger than, well, I'm not gigantic, but I'm bigger than most people, regular people, um, bigger than my partner. So when we come up against somebody, like I talk, that's, that's what I do. Now, if I got to slam somebody, yeah, okay. But it's not too often that people try to fight me. In fact, in South Central, there's only like two people that really tried to fight from the time that I was there. Um, everyone else, even if they were aggressive, I could talk them into like some type of moment while my partner would slide around and like cuff them real quick. But you're a good talker though. You have a natural calm to, to, to how you, you interact with people. You can just, the listener can probably just hear that. I love people. Yeah. Well, we spend a lot of time in our 
profession mm-hmm. with mental ill and addicts. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's why I want. That's why I chose South Central. They told me uh, Miss Glass, Officer Glass, was like, "Yeah, we we're gonna start a right care program." It's a. Uh, I think it had just like kind of started taking off with the one, the one van, um, and I was like, "Oh, maybe I'll go down there because I heard y'all have all the forty sixes and." that's my that's my jam but i didn't know like the depths of 46ness that they had down there because it was like oh this is for our listeners a 46 is a mentally ill person yeah that's the signal for the police officers when they get dispatched yeah if it felt like like everybody was bipolar schizophrenic and like at the end of the day addiction addiction and and they didn't have the resources to to get the medication that they needed and i i understood that so i wasn't like when they're just like, F you, man, you crazy looking. Oh, man, you're crazy. And I'm like, it's cool, man. I got you. But here's what we're going to do, okay? I'm going to take you to the hospital. You're going to get a free meal. You know what I'm saying? You get a place to stay. It's going to be nice and warm. It's going to be chill for a little bit. And then they're going to bring you right back to where you need to be. And they'll be like, no, nah, man. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I don't know. Click, click. It's too late. <laughs> too late. Um, it's, yeah. Yeah. I I like that about Sound Central. I did. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. So you lost your grandmother. Oh, yeah. But you were just a teenager. Mm-hmm. So, but it was a murder. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. So tell us the story. Tell us how it affected you. Okay. Uh, so if I backtrack, uh, because I have ADD and I do that, my uncle had been a police officer for, he started in 83. Okay. Um, for Nashville Metropolitan Police Department. So he was on SWAT. I think he was SWAT, SWAT officer at the time. He's he's a badass, yeah. just to let everybody know. And he's a U.S. Marshal now. And What's his name? Uh, Alon Jordan. Wow. Well, okay. What makes him a badass? He just, because he's goofy like me. Like, that's how I saw that I could be like me and still be effective. Because he's, like, charismatic, plays the piano at the church, can sing, is, like, goofy, goofy. And then when it was time to go, he would be like, hey, dude. That's how he sounds. Hey, dude. <laughs> uh, and, like super black belt and all that stuff like very effective at his job super professional um when me and my mom would go to my grandma's house grandparents house uh if my mom be like andre i'd be like what and he'd be like what you mean yes ma'am i'm like (laughs) yes ma'am you know um so he had that's where i like the seed was planted as far as becoming a police officer i he was just a great role model and my dad ran one of the biggest security companies in houston so like i just looked up to like these really bad dudes you know um bad isn't good for younger listeners uh but it's like saying fat but ph fat yeah yeah yeah. really fat well (laughs) I'm, I'm trying Joe, to be cool. Joe's very, Joe's very hip. Are they, yeah. <laughs> are, they, are they still using that? No. I oh, am. No. <laughs> no. He's, oh. Joe's using it. Yeah. A lot of things are changing, so you got to be careful what you're saying nowadays. Uh, so he's he was uh, super awesome. And so anyways, just as time went on, uh, my I lost my grandfather uh, two years before that just from a heart attack, uh, multiple heart attacks. And uh, we had been talking to my grandma trying to get her to come come stay with us in houston but she's very uh she's very independent and she was a staple in gallatin and nashville like she taught 
everybody. I mean everybody. And so we couldn't go out in public because she would just be like, oh, there's so-and-so. Hi. Oh, there's so-and-so. Hi. And she knew everyone. Um, super sweet. She was very uh, big with the community and giving people second chances. Um, and that was just her thing. She was like, everybody deserves a second chance. Um, so she had taught everybody that is, uh, works in the police departments to people that were in jail. And so she was very widely known. What did she teach? Uh, she taught typing and English typewriting, okay. typewriting technically back then, uh, and English. And so it was very important to her that I knew how to type. So I typed on a typewriter, then a computer, and I am actually one of the fastest typers you will ever see. That's why I do all the reports. Um, I'm just like, I don't need, I don't, and I'm pretty decent at the piano because of that. Um, so anyways, uh, I talked to her the night before, and it was like a weird conversation. When you talk about like when things happen and it feels like you already kind of knew, like God was just kind of like trying to set it up for you to, you know. I talked to her and it was like a weird conversation. It was like a, hey man, make sure you listen to your to your mom and do the things. And I'm so proud of how far you come. And I, I wish I could be here to see just everything that you you turn out to do. Like a weird conversation. She talked to my mom before, and there's a few things she said with my mom that were kind of like funny after you after the fact. She was just like, when I go, don't let your husband touch any of my stuff. And I was like and it like later he was like hey this is a nice old radio can we sell that and she was like no specifically um anyways uh so she really believed in giving people second chances so she had this thing where like if even if you were a uh, felon or you know recently out of jail she would try to give people jobs and stuff like that so uh there was a uh, i wonder if i'll say his name yeah, you know what fine well his name is Eddie Murphy, which is why I can't watch Eddie mm. Murphy, the comedian, anymore. Okay. Um, but uh, he, I guess he had some issues recent, recently released or something like that. Both his parents are actually uh, Baptist pre- preachers. Um, but she decided to give him a job, like, mowing her lawn. And so uh, she paid for the lawnmower and everything and was like, you know, everybody deserves second chances. So I guess he, she had had a conversation with my mom about letting him go as a lawnmower because she, she already had a person. And he said, well, you know, when that person's not able to do it, then let me step in. And uh, he wasn't good. I'm not good at mowing lawns. So, like, it, there, is a, there is a science to it. Whether all men want to agree to it or not, if, if you've got someone else out there, you just aren't good, and that's okay. Well, there's a group of us guys. Um, and so she, uh, she went, I, I think she let him go. Uh, and so, uh, I guess he showed up to her house and kind of forced his way ish into the door, not really forced, but just like he wanted to have a conversation. Um, and there's a chair in the hallway. So that's where she sat sometimes to have conversations. And so, uh, during the confrontation, I think he, uh, produced a box cutter and cut her throat like a few times. And she had multiple, uh, defensive wounds. Um, and she tried to fight him off. She's a, she's cause she's a fighter. She's a beast. Um, but it didn't work. And she was in the hallway. He stepped over her to go get to her purse. Um, take what he could out of there. My grandma, which is, you know, jokes on him. She never carried cash. Like she always paid for everything in checks. I mean, we'd go to Sonic and like, <laughs> you know, this is Nashville, you know, so they had like the Piggly Wiggly and crystals mm-hmm. and stuff that I hate. But uh, she would pay for it like a one ninety nine slush with a check. And I'd be like, oh, my God, <laughs> people are going to think we're poor. And she's like, how are they going to think we're poor if I have the money in the bank? And I'm like, oh, my God. 
so you know this guy thinking that he's gonna find like whatever uh doesn't get much out of her purse um kind of goes through the rest of the house but there's nothing in the house really of value like that um and then just leaves just leaves her there um in the hallway uh she did piano lessons for like everybody and their mom um so uh someone showed up and they knew that she was usually she's very punctual usually i am too if it wasn't for the accident uh, on the bridge um and so the fact that she didn't answer the door was weird to them and so they uh went around the back and opened the door and they found her there uh, called the police and so like how it went down afterwards was really weird because my uncle who's billy badass right police officer like he was in paris with his daughter um on like a student trip thing and so when the police officer that had been a student of my grandma's called my mom he was like hey there's been like an accident and your your mom uh i think i think she she fell you know and uh my mom was like okay well i'll call my sister-in-law because my brother is out of town and uh I'll call my sister-in-law. She can go to the hospital and check on her. And he was like, give me a second. And then the uh, chaplain got on the phone and he was like, hey, we did everything we could. But unfortunately, we weren't able to to bring her back. So my mom, I just had the she had had a breakdown when my when my grandpa died, but she had her breakdown. And then she's very uh, she's one of the higher ups in Shell. Uh, and probably like the only black female over in that area. Um, so she's a beast. And so she was like, get my stuff, figure my stuff out, get my flight going out there. Um, my dad was just going to keep us. And, uh, I had my moment, right. I had to go tell my sister who was down the street playing. And I like just had my little baby breakdown because my grandma was like my person, you know, and she was the sweetest person and she was small and tiny, but she was like mighty. And she would always try to teach me these life lessons, like, don't put your pants around your ankles. Why would you do that? You walk like a penguin. You got to be respectable. These men have to respect you as a person. So she's always teaching me these lessons. Anyways, great human being. My mom flew out there and uh, they hadn't told her what happened. Right. Um, but my grandma was widely known throughout the community. So starting in Nashville to Gallatin, everybody knew who she was. Um, so when my mom got into town, she had stopped at a gas station. And this lady says, uh, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your mom. I can't believe that uh, she was hit over the head with that brick. And uh, my mom was like, what are you talking about? And so then, you know, she had gotten my uh, her sister-in-law, my, my aunt, and they like sped over there and they saw the yellow tape and everything. And they're like, she's like, what the heck happened? Um, and the homicide detective, who was also a student of my grandma's, uh, like she taught literally the whole squad. Um, and they were like, hey, before we tell you anything, we want to tell your brother at the same time um, for multiple reasons. But he needs to get here before the press release. And so he was already coming back from Paris. So he was trying to find faster routes to get um, to Gallatin or to Nashville. Um, and so he did his thing and came back as fast as he possibly could. She called him over the phone and was like, hey, I need you to sit down. Told him the news. And he's he's emotional. Me and him are both very emotional people. And so he has his breakdown. He cries, but he's he's a bad, badass. So he gets on the plane and gets out here. Um, and they sit him down and they sit her down. And they're like, hey, this is what happened. 
and they spell out everything that happened and they both deteriorate right because that's just not what happens to people that are that nice and that kind in the world um and so uh and they handled it the way they handled it very very differently um but well anyways um so what we loved and what i loved and what i appreciated was that i saw like that unit the homicide unit and the task force that they use um come together and just be like hey listen let me tell you something there will be no stone left unturned we will find this person and i want to say that they they took the two dogs over there um and started tracking on foot they caught him i want to say in 48 hours because they tracked the blood to the shoe to a shoe his the shoes he had on uh that he tried to give to his cousin who was like okay this is weird and his cousin gave him up and then he um told him whatever he told him but they they were like they were on it and you know especially we've all been out here sometimes it takes time it takes ton of ton of time and back then it even though it was like early 2000s there wasn't a lot of camera footage or anything like that she didn't have cameras at her house so they didn't have much to go on off of outside of like what they did but they they did not sleep they they worked and they did it in 48 hours and i remember like when they caught him uh they put my uncle on uh like temporary leave for like mental stuff just I know he wanted to get back out there, but he had started to, I think he started to see the dude out there. And I think he like, there was one person where he was like, Hey, and he thought he was that guy. So I, you know, was, as a police officer, I can only imagine what that would do to you as far as aggression or whatever it is, the, the motions you're going through in the street. But I, when they caught him, I was just like, you know what? I just, I was like, one day I'm gonna become a police officer. And I want to make sure that every single person that's like you never gets to see the light of day. Like you're going to there, there, there's going to be some type of justice. And we're not talking about like Superman. We're talking about Batman style. Now, that was when I was 16. OK, that's clearly not the same because Batman is he does things differently. But I knew effective, though, if, super effective. Uh, but I knew what I wanted to do. Um, I knew that that just like. It didn't feel right, and it felt like it should never happen. And the older I got, the more I understood that the world is just not, you know, everything that is. You thought, you know, you thought I thought it was like a safer place, and then I thought like people like my uncle could keep everything bad away, and I was like the one time he leaves, you know, but it wasn't that. It was just that there are just bad people in the world, and I tell my partner that sometimes when we come against like some weird stuff, I'm like, that's how you know there's good and evil. Like you can't not believe in stuff like that because there's just things that happen that don't make sense um and so yeah she she, at her funerals 1500 people showed up like literally the city of gallatin the mayor of nashville oprah's dad which is a whole nother story of why he was there but like uh it was a very big funeral and i made the promise to her when i saw her i was like you're gonna look in the casket because at first i was like i can't do it i thought i was gonna vomit um and i was like you're gonna look in the casket and you're gonna make your promise and you're gonna say i love you and i'll see you see you later and i did i was like one day guarantee you one day you're gonna see i'm gonna be a badass police officer i'm gonna catch some bad dudes and i'll put it out there now because i believe in manifest destiny i plan on being on some fugitive task force somewhere because i police work is different you know sometimes it takes a lot of like 
oh what did he say what did she say what did he say okay you're going to jail okay this is kind of weird but i think you're going to jail let me call a sergeant but like knowing without a doubt that a person is a bad person and just going out there and catching them that's what i want to do you know um that's that was just like you want to find a why and i was already up in the air that was my why that was my purpose um you're here now i'm here now and you've spent the better part of a little over two years yes okay and you've already witnessed an officer involved shooting oh yeah was it what you thought it would be well um so like you know on patrol you come against like a lot of weird stuff in general and we have you know south central is hood so it's like active shooters active act after active shooters and i had gotten to the point where like okay when someone starts shooting like we run towards it and we're, we're gonna go catch him um the only time i think i'd been shot at was like on new year's eve and that was because there was a there was a party on the street away, and then it, the gunshots got closer and closer, and finally I was like pow pow, and I was like oh, and the sergeant was like, did you hear that? They shooting at us, and I was like right, I'm not tripping, right? They sh- right? So we you know we do get our little guns and go see, and we don't find anything. Um, but that one was different because the call right before that it was like a six x, and I was like oh I guess it was about it was almost time to go home, so I was like we'll take this. It's just like a fight with Hispanic people. Uh, we'll just go and break it up look i guess when we pulled up they both pulled firearms it's it's a really weird call but it was it was super hyped so we were already keyed up after that because we were just like oh oh god you know um nobody got shot nobody got hurt it was actually a really just the weirdest thing um so after that we were rolling around and we we're on the this srt is like a little version of crt on channel two and so we're rolling and we could hear this call like in the beginning because crt was working this with this dude from this uh game room and so we were like okay well you know and my partner who is he thinks he's young so you know he has a superhuman complex he's like we're gonna save everybody and i'm like absolutely we're gonna try um he was like you want to head down there i was like yeah let's let's just float on down there and see if we can help in some capacity or if he like gets out of this perimeter because they'd already set the perimeter up um and then the closer we got the more the call like got a little hyped and then if you you know you could tell through just like officer the officer on the uh on the on the radio Mm -hmm. and he was very calm that dude is a stud he was very calm during the whole thing but you could tell it wasn't going down exactly how you know i guess they had thought that it was planned to go out um and so we you know we pick it up a little bit we him like and i drive because he can't drive at all he no never um but i pick it up a little bit more and i was like well maybe we'll go six wait a minute you're doing all the paperwork you're driving and doing all the talking what does he do the cuffing oh he's oh. really good at cuffing okay. well, he's very <laughs> efficient at cuffing people up excellent and he's i mean he's a brazilian <laughs> jiu-jitsu master like he's about it like i need i love that i have a partner that is about that life and that's what i needed like we were in the academy together and when i would do like two hour workouts after the academy he was the only one that would stay and when i'd be like well let's just run let's just run for the heck of running what's like, his name get better jose cardona cardonia yeah he's a stud man he's and he's just the only thing he d- he's from brownsville uh so his communication skills i'm convinced that this is probably like one of the first times he'd seen black people so it's okay it's okay we can say that uh but so so his like how he talks you know he sees me talk to him i'm like hey bro come here let me talk to you for a second man Nah, bro look look 
I'm not gonna have this conversation. Put your hands behind your back, bro. All right, it's you gonna take the ride this time, okay? You, if you want to fight it, you can fight it in court, but you are gonna go for this. And you'll, he'd hear me talk. You'll be surprised. There's a, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there. You know, the stuff that's happened over the past several years. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people here in Texas and certain parts of the country, and they're not ever around black people. It's different, you yeah. know. And I think being an older person like you were when you started, mm-hmm. you know how to talk to people, and I think that's gonna help you in your career. But I remember when I was training, I always told these guys, look, you got to learn how to talk to people. Yes. And if they're not used to talking to them, and I even had that problem too, to where I'm sure you all did, you know, you start trying to speak the Queen's English to people. They're going to like, what the hell are you talking about? And yeah. then you, you know, and you learn over time how to speak to people. Cause if, and they know the way you talk, they're not going to give you any respect. But once you start saying the key yes. words or the right things, these guys will open up to you and talk to you better. And, yeah, get more out of them, and you can talk them into the cuffs instead of have to fight them. And yeah, you hear that, right, cuffs. Cardona? Yes, because I, I, I always, I feel like I always, I always do teaching. Like I'm always like preaching, you know. And I was like, communication is key, bro. Like if I could talk you into these cuffs, that's what it is. Like it, you don't want to fight me, but if you want to fight, I guess you're gonna end up in the cuffs either way it goes. Uh, but Cardona started doing this thing where he goes, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, boss, know what I'm saying? Everything's good, right? You know what I'm saying? They're like, no, nah, everything ain't good, bro. What you talking about? You talking about me and Jay, you know what I'm saying? He's like, no, nah, no, I'm saying. Like, it's just, it's the funniest thing to, I said it in the academy. I was like, you know, it's going to be like a bunch of 23-year-olds, 24-year-olds going to like grown people's houses and telling them how they should parent. <laughs> and that's like, that ain't always going to fly. You know, you can't go in there and tell them how they're going to be like a husband and how they're be a wife. Me, I get on my like pedestal and I'm like, if you love this woman, why would you put your hands on her? That doesn't make sense to me. Look at you kids over there in the corner crying. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? Turn around. Put your hands behind your back. It's ridiculous. You know, but people figure it out. Like communication doesn't come easy, it's, especially if you didn't have a job before where you had to do it. This is a weird place to learn to do it because you have to be an authoritarian and you also have to be like not overly aggressive, especially with body cam. Like you can't just be like, get on the F and F and the F and the M F and F. Like you have to like tell them to get in these cuffs without. With some professionalism. Yeah. Misty and I started in that era with all the. With the. Get on the F and. Pre-body cam. Yeah. Yeah. Pre-body cam. Yeah, pre-body cam. Yes. We were pre-cell phone. Pre-dash. Oh. Yeah, we had pagers. What a beautiful life. I got told uh, Black Lives Matter when I was arresting a white dude. And I was the only black person for miles. So it was a little Hispanic chick. She was like, man, y'all always messing with the man. I was like, what? And she was, I was on training with Crenshaw, actually. And she was like, I was like, what? what she? He was like, don't listen to her. She's an agitator. And I was like, okay. And she was like, Black Lives Matter, man. And I was like. Thank you. You do have yes. eyes. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. They do matter. Thank you. Um, anyways, we, 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 we picked it up, and uh, the more the call went, the the more hyped it went. It was the first time Cardona, who is, like, super about it, was, like, there was, a, like, a – I could – he felt that it was real, you know? And we've, we've been riding together for – since we came out of the academy. And it was just – it was crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy, and we got there – as they're chasing the dude. So it's it's right after he ran over everybody and started firing the shots. Um, and it was just, it was like really, I don't know, man. It was it was like eye-opening in a way that we've already dealt with a ton of active shooters. And, and oh, you know, five, 6Gs, um, there's a shooting around the corner and we're, we're going after it. And even though we've caught multiple people with guns, right? Like we chase, I've chased a ton of people and they had their gun on them. 
um this was like felt different it just felt different and it was like eerie and weird and also like nice to get it out just to to be a part of it and get it out and just try to help in any kind of way because by the time they had tackled him and put cuffs on him picked him up and he was like what did he say he said uh oh they shot me man they shot me man man they shot me i was like you ain't shot and he was like oh man they shot me they got me man and i was like what you know you just wonder like what is going through your and now i'm pretty sure he was like on something possibly um but it was just was a weird it was just a weird deal and he was just like this victim right like trying to play this victim and i was like i hadn't seen the body cam until whenever they showed it to us and i was like oh what how dare you like they shot me man like a little like possum that's what possum. he reminded me of yeah like a little <laughs> possum just like this helpless creature because he's just in this fetal position and we pick him up and he's like defecating himself and all this stuff and i was like possums will do that yeah yeah and we took it to the hospital and he was like oh man i've been shot like just the whole time just i was like i'm sure the adrenaline dump is like crazy but it was just like how dare you try to play that victim role after you just tried to like literally kill one of one of our officers for for what like a traffic stop for warrants that you're gonna bond out or something anyways like it was just it seemed like the most ridiculous thing but it, it was hyped and we had already come from that call previously so we're just like ugh, what else can happen and then cardona just got really quiet he was like i'm not gonna lie man i got a little anxious like i was a little nervous i was Did like say it like that yeah he was like <laughs> i got a little anxious i got a little nervous i was like i know bro because usually you're like come on man come on let's do it let's come on but not in that moment in that moment everything was like real everything was serious and it was like let's make sure we can be there for our peoples when you were in the academy that it was riddled with the protest and covid you and you said some of your instructors it affected how they taught Mm -hmm. based on the protest and none of us in this room know what it feels like to be a black man in a uniform Mm. so can you can you speak on some of those things yeah it was like um specifically how have you been able to drown out like the 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 ladies yelling black lives matter and any kind of negativity you've gotten from the black community too being a police officer and how you've how you've dealt with that even with family i'm sure Mm. see my family is about that life they're because uh i think just because my uncle they my mom's side has a lot of law enforcement and then uh just retired from the fbi or something like that just law enforcement and my dad's side is is more hood but i kind of just don't talk to him anymore (laughs) uh you just sometimes uh but i don't know i'm comical you know what i mean like i'll be in an arrest and this happened like three weeks ago this dude it was like a bunch of young black dudes and he's like see man that's what i'm talking about right there you know what i'm saying y'all always effing with people man y'all ain't never trying where were y'all at when them gunshots was going off last night i was like oh you want us to be everywhere huh he's like yeah man that's your job and i was like you got a job he's like yeah i got a job i was like you want another one you want to be police he was like no nah, hell no nah, i don't want to be no police i was like why not man ain't nobody getting shot at for no i was like oh so you're not willing to put your life on the line for your people then you know like I'm like, we are always hiring. If you if you feel like <laughs> you can do better for your hood. I said, that that's the only reason I'm here. The reason I'm here is because I made a promise to my grandma, right? Which I don't have to tell them. But I was like, there is a need for minorities in policing. That's just what it is. We know it's a male, white male dominated to just profession. So if you know that and you feel like there's 
adversity we're going through. You see the George Floyd stuff happen. You see the Trayvon Martins, which is in policing. Um, the Earl Grays or the um, Philando Castiles or, you know, you can name them off. Uh, and you feel like this is happening directly to us. And why wouldn't you want to be a part of the solution? And every single person I come up to, if they if they throw that out there, I'm like, absolutely, you should be a police officer. And then I get on my pedestal and my soapbox and I'm like, how can you just expect that after like however many hundreds of years that they're just going to flip a switch and be like, you know what, we're going to stop doing this. I was like, why wouldn't you want to come into this profession and show them like, hey, let's let's work together to change the community. Right. Or police your own community. Right. Like that's a thing. Like that's why I chose South Central. Let me go down there and do my thing. So it's it's been interesting. Um, I try not to take it to heart that during the protest, I was in the academy. And so it was interesting to see the instructors that were affected. They were tired. They were broken. Uh, I there was one that was like in tears. Um, and I just would just chalk it up to like how stressed she was. But I also know I, I don't know her name or if I did, I wouldn't say it. But I know that she had a interracial child. So I wonder because even though she was Caucasian, I was like, hmm. She seems like the way she was talking about it and you could see how worked up she was. I was like, let me ask her something like it's kind of out of pocket. But uh, you got to are you, do you have like mixed people in your family or, <laughs> you know, like, all right, you know, she's like, my, it was like super weird. And it like not a normal question. Um, And I think because I've asked the way I asked it, she wasn't like, who do you think you're talking to? She was like, my kids are mixed. I was like, oh, I was like, because when you were talking about everything you were experiencing in the protest you were talking from such a personal level but more than just like they were talking crazy to us and throwing stuff at us you the way she was saying it was like it was like a like a personal like how dare you tell me that i think black lives don't matter because sure. that you're telling me that i don't think my kids matter um and it was just i mean we took the the simulated protest for uh what was it called before um before they turn into SRG, it we called was, it Stomp and Drag. Oh God, Mobile Field Force. Yeah. That's what it's called. Not that. It's not Stomp and Drag. Not Stomp and Drag oh. because that sounds dangerous. Uh, sounds like you stomp somebody then drag them away. We. Uh, That's not what I meant. Oh, no, no. It, and we took it serious. We were just like, <laughs> you know what? We were the uh, the the protesters and we messed that class up. I think it was sixty eight. That's right. I'm calling y'all out. Messed them up. We got in trouble with the the, the teachers. They're like, how dare you guys? The protesters weren't even this bad. But we were so riled up from like watching the protests, yeah. hearing about the protests. Like we were method just, actors. Yeah, we we're just <laughs> method actors. We were all the way into it and um. And then when it was our turn, we everybody took that that part seriously. Um, and between the protests and COVID, like it was just a weird academy. So, hearing what you're speaking of and your instructor, would you say she was discouraged? I would say discouraged, as in like, yeah, yeah. I think there was just like a I don't know, you know, everybody was just so tired. You could see it, like you could see it in their their faces, and this job wears us down in general. Um, but you could just see their like spirit was just like, yeah, I just worked the protest, and then I came here, and I'm just. Would you say that encouraged you? Did it fuel you? Yeah, because I'm on SRG now. Like, I was like, okay, well, you know, uh, how do we get out there? How do I? How do I be a part of this change? I want to be a part of the change any way that I can. Right? I know I want to be a fugitive one day. Boo boo. 
like 15 <laughs> years um but <laughs> yeah just it's just a little plug uh but i also knew that the the protests were important the reason people were protesting i understood sure. um but the way they went about it i couldn't get down with and i i remember i was like dang 68 is out there 67 is out there like we're not gonna be able to get it. i think we're, we might be out there in the protest too like it just looked like an experience that you needed to get under your belt because there's gonna be more protests but i don't think i don't know if there will ever be a protest like that point in time and in my mind's eye i was like i'll be able to talk to him no will i probably not but i thought you know like there's those are moments for dialogue and sure. i just wanted to be out there especially self-dialogue yeah and and checking yourself and asking yourself if this is really what you want to i had a classmate that just quit it, life stuff and other stuff like this ain't the job for everybody and i don't think there's anything wrong with realizing like maybe i need to take a break from this and figure out what's most important to me but that would have been a really good gut check moment outside of the ois and the active shooters and fighting with people on pcp tell us the time you've been discouraged <sighs> in this job moving to channel two just joking nah. <laughs> i'm joking i'm j- only because i'm a, a diehard sevener um no uh well okay no nope. mm. for me uh because i'm older i think training is important and i think training is everything what's training to you uh any type of uh rbts or like um any opportunities to get better at our craft which okay. whatever i'm like i'll sign up that's why it's a big part of why i wanted to get on our srg because they take what they do seriously with this new name uh and what does it stand for special response group okay yes that was part of the test when did that start mm, <laughs> recently actually uh <laughs> chief was shaw test. was no is that yeah yeah chief shaw chief shaw angela she, she's over it shout out angela yeah her and uh morales assistant uh, major morales Mm-hmm. i could i'm drawing sometimes i get sometimes <laughs> sometimes i get the names well the name is right but the y'all have done so much movement um no offense major but, morales yes okay. but shaw is <laughs> chief shaw is for sure over she was just out there um but they they uh sergeant peeler i don't know if you know james yeah. e peeler yeah yeah he was like he wanted they wanted it to be more uniform than when they had the protest because i guess and this is just me speculating it was a lot of people doing a lot of different things um and so the people from they had a specific mobile field force unit but i think they rolled them out after stuff got hyped and so now srg the new mobile field force is going to roll out first and then if we need backup then we'll bring other people in but I love it. I think it's it's been a really good. I just came from a TAC Med class yesterday, and it's my off day, but I don't care. Um, I because I'm not really good at tourniquets. Like I just wasn't the greatest. I mean, they went really fast in the academy over that. So like, I know uh, Sergeant Slay. I don't know if y'all know Sergeant Slay, but we were on one call, and there's like a bunch of people shot because that's South Central, and uh, he was like, "You who has a tourniquet?" And I was like, "I got." Two tourniquets super excited and he was like go put it on that guy's leg he's bleeding and i was like oh shoot Ooh, okay and i ran over there and i was like i'm pretty sure this is how it works is it does it is it on there is it tight and he was like uh and then i was like he's like no i was like yeah that's it yeah that's working yeah no you, i'm gonna save your life it's good I, I don't think it's that bad but it's good 
Um, so the TAC Med class was really important. They just make sure that everybody's trained up for every possible thing, 40 mil, pepper ball, like that's important to me. Like give us the tools that we need so that we can uh, be the best versions of ourselves. And we can't always get training. Uh, I know in Northeast it's a little difficult because of call load and uh, not as many officers, but that was just like my thing is when we come out the gate we're hungry not all of us but most of us like mm -hmm. yes we're young and dumb there i can speak to specific people that are just like good lord it's a train wreck but we're hungry um and if that's the case then like why not feed us early so that we can get those good uh like the the proper training so that you don't have to worry about us messing things up later or having to reteach us how to do stuff like give us the training we need now so that we can be proficient at this job and confident and confident because when i was putting that tourniquet on that guy's leg i was like he might lose this shit this like may not be saved um and that that's like my main thing morale and which is what i think chief Foy is really good at he's just there are people from southwest that talk about him at two now they're just like do you know chief Foy? oh my god he's just amazing he's amazing i thought he was really cool too um but he's really good about that morale part. Meh he's good no man he's because that that is a thing this job is like i've only been here for a couple of years and i can see how people i've especially at the channel that i'm at now because of call load there are people that either want to quit or are quitting at like five years like foy takes care of his troops he yeah. generally he does it's like five years what you don't learn your job till you're on for three years like you don't know really what you're doing right now i'm like uh 14 uh it looks like a knife and a fork it's a sta it's a stabbing you know like <laughs> it's just yeah and i was blessed to have i had the i thought the best training group between crenshaw which you know he was really about narcotics just dope houses and i learned everything that i could about narcotics and dope houses and the tins and that was it that was that's where we stayed he'd be like morel and denley i'm like oh my god <laughs> again and you know however yeah you know uh and then after that i had uh sergeant brandon thompson who i think is the baddest one of the baddest men i've ever known and he was like i'm gonna get you in the shit and i was like okay and my heart rate went up a little bit because i was like well i chased a bunch of dope dealers and crackheads and i think i can and he was like listening to car chases from other channels that he knew would come through seven and he was like i'm gonna position you just like this and you're gonna drive just like this and you're gonna be the second in the chase and i was like uh okay and it would happen every single time car chases foot chases car chases that were signed off on by the way people uh foot chases uh we chased a 15 year old together it was super upsetting when he turned around and you found out that he was 15 i was like dang <laughs> what's wrong with you where's your parents at why would you steal this lady's phone but just Everything else that I needed in training, I got with him. Like, it just filled the rest of my plate, and he was really adamant that you need to know this job to do it well. Um, and he had a lot of experiences that you you know. I, I worked with him. Yeah, he's a bad – that's a bad dude. He's a good guy. My third phase trainer was bad. He was he was good. He was in narcotics previously. Um, and then back to Crenshaw, but – they had put him on the Echoes, which is like a mini CRT. So that was probably the best experience that I've gotten ever because I went from just like, you know, you're like, look, looking for open air drug sales and stuff like that. But now it's like working with this unit 
that Sergeant Brown was ahead of, Lieutenant Foreman was like checking on us, Lieutenant Height was checking on us, and like it was really cool to see how a unit should be should work together um, with intel and everybody done their homework and we had coverts and stuff like that and it was like okay so we're going to position ourselves hey you do the traffic stop and then you know the covert sits over here it was just really like if i didn't want listen let me tell you something i wanted to be infusive before uh but if that boy that fed the wolf like i was like i don't want to do i'm ready to hop out and chase everybody um because there was homework that was done beforehand so it wasn't so reckless you know there was still crazy stuff to happen but it was planned it's intelligence yeah led policing as opposed to reactive policing yes it wasn't we didn't show up late it was just like this is how policing should be and sergeant brown was like i was like thank you for letting me be a part of this yeah you don't feel like so much as a janitor just showing up cleaning up a mess but you're actually being proactive and going out and yeah it wasn't after the fact yeah where you feel like damn we couldn't do anything this person's already dead or this person's already been beaten i will give you that channel channel two has the weirdest calls like i've come across more things with actual kidnappings should work the grove never 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 the grove is yeah i've heard this <clears throat> there's north grove on channel two so ferguson oh area. yeah so yeah Toledo. Ferguson. yeah <laughs> yes. be careful Toledo. with that road be careful that's, with staying that road that's where i float absolutely when i, I thought about it yeah <laughs> Dilly doe. I I was just over there on a yeah. I get it's weird stuff that happens. It's all that there, real man. fancy strip clubs over there by the mm-hmm. yeah. tigers. Oh yeah, yeah as tigers. fancy as it gets. Those yeah, are very fancy. Outstanding citizens. Yeah, yeah. Anytime I think that a serial killer or like a gangster is out, I'm like, let's just check the parking lot in Tigers on a Wednesday real quick because it's popping. Uh, yeah, yeah. In the in the mix of all this, you lost your dad. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's important for our, our listeners to to hear your your human story. That mm. you're a rookie, you're doing all this exciting, fun stuff. You're inspired, and in the meantime, you have real life adulting yes. things going on. Yeah. When I um when I went through the academy, I had my baby. I had my baby like right before I got tased, and that night I had my baby. And then that's a good combo. I know, right? It was. <laughs> it was. Yeah. They're and, similar. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next week I got pepper sprayed and I was like, this is, this is, this is trash. Cause I couldn't hold him. But my dad had, uh, he and my mom had separated for since probably around when I was 16 ish. Um, not too long after my grandma. And so, uh, he wasn't super close with the rest of my family, but me and him kept a pretty good, um, relationship and just building it back up. And so over the years we'd done a really good job at, being able to be in each other's life and right when i met my wife he had been diagnosed with prostate cancer um and my dad was a big dude man let me tell you something you want to talk about people that should have been on any type of police but he was a little too hood so it wasn't gonna happen but he was a very large dude muscular and stuff like that didn't take any mess from anybody he used to yell at people in the kroger parking lot and be like slow down character like it was just like <laughs> super uncomfortable because he had a nickname in Fifth Ward, Nose, because he used to break him. And I was like, damn. Like, you know, the dudes that ride the bike, they'd be like, hey, there go Nose, man. I'm like, wow, that's how you know your dad is hood. Um, <laughs> anyways, so we had done a really good job at building up our relationship. And uh, 
having my son that was a big thing for him and being being there for us anything that we needed um so he used to drive out like he was really sick uh the last few years of his life um and he would drive out like he was really appreciative like i don't know man he'd drive out just he likes Corvettes. Every car he's had since I can remember is a Corvette. I don't know how he gets them, but that doesn't matter now. Uh, but he would drive out, and he his hands and his like you know skin peeling and stuff like that. But he would still drive out because he wanted to see me, he wanted to see my wife, he wanted to see my kid, and uh, my daughter too, and just see our family, be able to hold my my son and stuff like that. Um, and when I graduated from the academy, he did this video message. It was just he he seemed like he was unbeatable like he was like that guy that you were like nothing can nothing can harm my dad no matter how flawed he was um and so right before he passed he had come out here one more time uh and like when he came out he was just like how's you know how's police and he, he was kind of quiet for a second and he was like man i should have done the chemo and it was weird because my dad hadn't said anything about pain this whole time. He was just like this like beast of a dude. Um, still worked his security job, like working security at these different hotels, telling people like to get up out the pool and and like sickly, you know. Um, and so when he said that, it like it messed me up because I was like, you we were at Rodeo Goat. And I was like, you don't admit to being sick. You don't admit to like, what do you mean? What do you mean? That's weird. Um and then it just was downhill from there. He had driven out that time too. Um, I think he only, I think he had uh, two more months after that. Uh, yeah, so I was I was off Little T and stuff like that in South Central, and it was important for me to be updated on how he was doing. And then when he had the hospice, you know, all that stuff going down, I was like, dang. This job doesn't allow for too much time as far as like being able to step away and take care of loved ones, uh, which that's just the job. That's the way it is. Especially early on. Yeah. Especially early on when you're on deep nights and you don't have like accumulated, you know, a lot of uh, sick time and other comp time and stuff like that. Um, So I was just like, you know, just keep me updated. And if he like goes downhill, I'd gone home and I didn't see him. We had made plans to see each other, but the way the time worked out, I was like, hey, I'm coming back in a few weeks. I'll see you then. And then, you know, you can see the baby because he had, uh, you know, when you have a baby, they like every two weeks, they get a little bigger. You think and you're just like, oh, my God, you need to see he can do this. He can pull your fingers now. Um, And they the hospice person had just gotten there like the day before, like he had just started hospice. So like in my mind, I had Googled. I was I was like on patrol and I was like Googling like how much time before hospice do you have before you pass away? You know, and they were like two to three months. I just gone to a 27, uh, it's a dead person. And, uh, they had been on hospice for three months. So I was like, all right, cool. Like he started hospice yesterday. I got three months. Um, I'm going down in a few weeks. And then the next day, the first day that my wife went back to work, so it was just me and the baby, which is just like if if y'all have kids, you know, like the the, the terrifying first, <laughs> the first time your wife because that baby is like and she breastfed and everything, so that that baby is like you know <laughs> like the first time she steps away and I was like oh my god <laughs> it's just me and you super simple songs everything is okay uh, and 
and then my mom calls me and she's like yeah he's gone i just broke down into like a like a puddle of nothingness um because for all the flaws that he had i was just like that's still the baddest man on the planet and that's still my dad and i wouldn't be here without him and he would like he would kill for me i had an issue earlier in life uh he was like i'll take him out i was like <laughs> whoa like fight him and he was like you just bring him to the chipotle you just <laughs> let me figure it out i'm like no that doesn't sound right i'm not gonna do that um so i didn't think that you know i i just you know my wife had like entertained the idea and was like you just need to be prepared for it her her grandma has cancer now but they kind of got diagnosed around the same time and like i had this awkward relationship where they checked on each other and like i think they kind of fed off each other um and so he was gone and i was done and i i couldn't go to work that night but i showed up the next day because like that's what he would he's a beast he worked three different jobs just to make sure like I guess to make sure he could keep the Corvette, but to make sure we were good, you know, on top of other jobs, he worked in oil and gas. He had the security company that is like one of the largest security companies in Houston. It uh, does the security security for a minute made the rocket stadium and stuff like that. So he's just was a beast of, he like had that work ethic that you think about when you think about older people and their work ethics. Um, so I went to work. My wife was like, you sure you don't want to take another day off? I was like, Nope, that's what he would do. And I showed up and, one of the senior corporals was like, bro, what are you doing here? What are you here for? I was like, what else would I be doing, bro? We about to catch some bad guys. And I wasn't going to do it with, like, malice in my heart. I wasn't going to go out and, like, beat somebody up because it's nobody else's fault. I just wanted to do what I know, like, he would just say, like, what are you going to do about it, right? Like, you can't come down here until X day, so go back to work. Do your job. You're good at it. Um, and then the day after i came back from work or that morning after i remember i had like this moment where like i went through every voicemail that i had on like two three phones just like looking for a voicemail from him because i was like damn like you're not gonna forget it i'm not gonna forget his voice but like i don't know you you think to yourself well i wish i would have saved like the voicemails and all the stuff and i just like had this moment and my wife when i graduate the academy uh she did a like a video montage and it's really cool uh and she's so she like sent it to me she's like hey this just in case you were looking for something with him and it was just him congratulating me on graduating the academy he also thinks i'm going into homicide so it's like and congratulations on you getting in homicide so now i'm like low-key like damn i kind of got to do that so i can like <laughs> make that thing a thing um and just like all your lifetime achievements and stuff and it was like really good to hear um just after 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 he passed and every i play it almost every before every shift because it's just like my thing like i'm just like hey man i'm about to go out there and i know he like just there are no other warriors that i'd rather run in beside me than like him and i've done some not reckless because cardona's reckless but i've done some almost reckless things where i'm just like whoo shoot that was uh Oof, okay but like i know like it's just like a feeling i'm like man i'm glad i looked left instead of looking right you know um and i'm like oh i usually look right when i come around that corner uh he just runs 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 the streets with me now and that's that's how we get down you just gotta keep pushing because the world can't stop just because life happens you know sure yeah 
What are your areas of growth? Not improvements. Uh, growth. 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 In just life? Yeah. Um, where you want to grow in life. Where you want to... I don't want to use the word improve. Oh, okay. Um, I have realized that, like, it has been important for me to be proficient and really good at this job. But I am trying to continue to find the, uh, like, work-life balance that I, I won't let this job consume me fully. Because there's moments where I'm like, I need to study more of the penal code. I need to study more case law. I have two of your case law books. They are <laughs> all highlighted up. Um, I need to know, like, I wanted to get on the drone unit just because, just because I wanted to know more. I wanted more knowledge. So I was like, I want to get my 107 certification. Um, but I have this family and I have this baby that looks up to me. And I have this daughter that's 13 that thinks I'm like just cool um and so as far as growth i've been trying to make sure that that work-life balance is there that i'm not missing moments that i'm present even if it means i'm only getting two hours of sleep like i just want to be present and i want to know at the end of the day when i'm gone or when i'm done with this like i did everything the right way and you can't always do it right but that i try to you know um so i'm growing as far as like trying to make sure that my wife is happy and that i mean like yeah you know you you're not out there in the streets but like you forgot to take the trash out like she asked you 25 times and that's one less thing she has to do because she's working from home and holding the baby and the baby just started daycare and he's having a moment and i have two dogs we actually just got a third dog but i think we took her to the vet this morning she's super sweet she showed up on the doorstep anyways um but as far as growth and outside of the life part at work being able to admit when i'm wrong and like listen to other people because because i was older i was like you have no idea what you're talking about you you said you worked in walmart before this you don't know what you're talking about oh you worked at tgi fridays yeah okay you don't know what you're talking about and knowing like sometimes other people can be right um i'm really big at like i told you so like oh i should have told i told you this was gonna happen um and sometimes i just need to sit back and just let my people do their thing i have control issues okay i and i'm willing to admit it yes that (laughs) that is i'm like learning to let go i don't like people driving me i'm just like you can't drive and you can't drive and you can't drive you only had your driver's license for two years um but letting go and and trusting that the people that i trust in my life i should be able to trust with the keys to the car but also like the call that we're on like you may you make the call because we work this together um trying to just give that up like i have some great friends that i run the streets with on seven it was like a it was like a bad crew we were those old heads were like y'all go out there and just don't kill nobody you know <laughs> like it was deep night so it was like it was all class 67 to 72 and then all the old heads were like we'll just we'll mop up you know the sergeants were on their toes like all the time they're just like Oh, my God. What have y'all gotten into? So we got this car chase. But it wasn't a car chase, okay? (laughs) It wasn't a car chase. We sped up. They sped up. Then we slowed down. And then they just got out the car. He was like, okay. And I'm like, then we chased him. And then we kind of caught him. But, you know, they got away again. Then we chased him again. And we caught him. Anyways, nobody's dead, you know? But we got the bad guy. So the sergeants were like, dear God. You know, they just on the radio here. We need Air One. And they're like, what? What? (laughs) Call me. Call me right now. Um... 
so yeah yeah controlling things that sometimes are beyond my control and making sure work-life balance is there like i just want to be like really awesome while still keeping like realistic expectations i'm gonna take a lot of uh enjoyment for whatever time i have left on this department of watching your your career grow and seeing who you become and hopefully you make it your you fulfill your dream to be on the fugitive unit or a homicide detective yes and if i'm still around i can put a good word in for you that's it don't leave yeah no i'm closer to the end i know it feels like Um, everybody is what is your grandmother's name um her name is dorothy jordan what would you tell her now if you had the opportunity Hmm. of who you become and what you're doing I appreciate her for giving me the uh, motivation to do everything that I've ever wanted. I've had a music career. I've gotten to use music in a bunch of different ways to help people. Um, and now I'm doing this. And we just keep the uh, the family thing of just continuing to help people. That was her thing. She wanted to always help people. Everybody had a, deserves a second chance. And so I try to keep that in mind and uh, just make her proud. Continuing to help people while also putting some bad guys away. We do it my dad's way too. That's a great answer. I think he answered, What are you doing for others? Thank you. Yes. Yes, ma'am. I just I just want to help the peoples. <laughs> the peoples is all encompassing, by the way. Um, this is the greatest job in the world. And that's why I keep trying to tell people to come on. I understand that it of all the times to become a police officer, this is probably not the most ideal time, but that's that's why we need more people. That's why we need more people that are willing to put their lives on the line to help a world that seems like it's constantly spinning out of control. Misty had this idea for a rookie episode, and I trust Misty's judgment when she has an idea and putting it together. And I think we got the I think we got the right rookie to come in here. I appreciate you coming here, sitting with us on your off day. And I, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll use his words. You found the most animated and awkward rookie. Yes. <laughs> There's sweat behind my knees. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Rod. Thanks for coming in. Thank man. you. Absolutely. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. I'll never give up on you. Hey, Mrs. Hey, Mr. See this all the way through No matter how far the sun and the moon I'll never give up on you Down when you're lonely I'll pull you up Life leaves you heavy I'll be your shoulder, together we'll run Up from the bottom, yeah, we'll rise above Hey brother, hey sister, I'll never give up on you Hey missus, hey mister, I'll see this all the way 
brother, hey sister, I'll never give up on you. Hey Mrs. Hey Mister, I'll see this all the way through. No matter how far for the gold and the blue, I'll never give up.